2: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with
1: Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden,
0: Colorado. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell and Cordell. We're a partner men can count on.
2: Contact CordellCordell.com. 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
3: We're reviewing week three, looking forward to week four and helping you to manage your fantasy teams on Roto-Viz Radio.
2: What's up, Roto-Viz? <laughs>
3: I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at RotoViz. This is RotoViz Radio brought to you by my bookie and squad QL. I'm joined by Matthew Friedman, Editor in Chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. We're already at the point in the season where there are bye weeks coming into play. But Matt, I've got to ask, was the smart money on the bills this weekend? <laughs>
1: I don't think so. Uh, I mean, not to, not to win straight up. Uh, I did take the points just cuz 16 and a half felt so egregious. Um but I wouldn't say like I was like sharp by doing that. I just thought that was a really huge number. Um and I thought maybe the Bills would get it back to recover. Yeah. Um but yeah, I I definitely did not anticipate that they would outright win that game, much less destroy the Vikings. Like that was an amazing. Uh I mean, it's not as if like the Bills were even I would say like all that good. It's just that they were able to get key turnovers, like uh, with really advantageous field position. And, um, you know, Josh Allen was able to do like his best Cam Newton impersonation yeah. with some rushing touchdowns. Uh, and I mean, the Vikings just imploded. So uh, definitely did not see that outcome coming. Yeah.
3: Yeah. We're already at that point where you start to have the mantra already saying, like, wow, this has been a weird season. But the reality is, we go through this, I feel like. Every season, almost every week, we see the Jaguars decimate the Patriots last weekend. And then in an odd, odd, odd situation with Mariota coming in off the bench, they end up losing to the Titans. I believe that they didn't even score a touchdown, right? Wasn't the final nine to six or another one that nobody probably saw coming.
1: Yeah, it was a filled goal festival, which uh, is the worst type of festival <laughs> there is. Um, so, yeah, uh, de- definitely did not see that one coming. It it wasn't a, a great, um, like, in terms of betting on games, it wasn't a great work, uh, week for me there. I think I, I've barely ended up above 500 there. Um, on the props, it was totally wonderful. But uh, in picking games, I'm, I'm basically a fish.
3: Yeah. Well... We, you know, especially when you're picking against the spread, uh, it's so hard. It it really is. Uh, Fortunately, though, we're starting to get more information to work with, which brings us to.
2: They're the little Lebowski urban achievers,
3: the little Lebowski urban overachievers of the week. Three players who performed well beyond expectations. I want to open with Calvin Ridley, the rookie wide receiver, yeah. looking like the better of the two Alabama receivers on the Falcons, seven of eight <laughs> targets, 146 yards, three touchdowns, and he also had a 75 yarder. Not to mention, they gave him one carry, which he took for nine yards, 33 and a half PPR fantasy points. What a game from Ridley.
1: Yeah, pretty amazing. Um, feel sorry for Julio Jones. It's like, what does he have to do to get in the end zone? And you have this rookie who's like much smaller, much slower, uh, <laughs> scoring three touchdowns in his third NFL game. Um, but yeah, pretty amazing. Um, I mean, I was a anti-Calvin truther for, for like yeah, you me know, too. all of the draft process. Um, but I did have like this feeling in my stomach that uh, I would be wrong. And I was probably wrong. Well, like, I, I think like already at this point, I feel confident in saying that like I was, I was probably wrong. Right,
3: but I mean, for me, it came back to this was a guy where the best thing that you could point to was his route running ability, which for an older yeah. player is normally something that you hear. So, like you, you know, I I questioned if the overall talent was there, but I do think when you start to see performances like this, it's it's hard to ignore uh we're gonna come yeah. back to some historical comps for ridley uh in a little bit but let's move on to a huge surprise for the weekend josh allen uh as we talked <laughs> about before this bills team it was something as they just absolutely stormed over the vikings 196 yards uh through the air but the two rushing touchdowns is really what sealed the day for him he also had a uh, passing touchdown too. So what a day, almost 30 points for Allen finishes at around 28. Is this something we can expect going forward? Is this Buffalo team better <laughs> no. than we thought? or Is this an aberration?
1: I mean, they, they might be better than we thought, but, um, I don't think they're still really like all that good. That said, uh, I, I did take them already uh, at plus 10, uh, against the Packers. Cause I, I think the Packers are underperforming, but I, I don't know if they're, I don't, I, I mean, I don't think That the Bills are actually good. Uh, I I just think that their defense was able to exploit a a Vikings offensive line that has had issues and uh, they were able to get some key turnovers. Um, I don't think Allen still actually looked all that good in that game as, you know, like a a bona fide pocket passer. Like he still had moments of inconsistency, um, but I think he did a better job of, uh, like, at key moments, uh, pulling the ball down and just running instead of standing in the pocket longer and taking sacks or, uh, you know, like throwing inaccurate passes once he was pressured.
3: Yeah, for sure. So I do think, you know, you can't read into a performance like this so much, but it does show maybe there's more potential and some better decision-making than I had expected. Now, player whose name I left off of the outline for you, but I imagine just by taking a look, you can garner that it's Mike Williams of oh, yeah. the Chargers. Two touchdowns, four to seven, uh, 81 yards, a 42-yard uh, touchdown as well. He's starting to look like he can definitely take in a role in this offense and is better than last season would have led us to believe. Where are you on him right now?
1: Uh, I like little Big Mike Williams or Big Mike Williams Jr. or whatever <laughs> it's going to be. Like I, I like him a lot. Um, I think because I think he was probably someone that Rotaviz wasn't very high on last year in the draft process. Right. Um, just because he didn't have high market share. Um, he wasn't a very athletic guy. So I you know, I think people maybe could have looked at him as like something like a smaller Kelvin Benjamin, and I think that probably just didn't excite people. Um, but I I tend to like those big guys who score a lot of touchdowns in college. Um, you know, so I think we can't take too much out of his rookie season because like in training camp, he had a debilitating back injury, which basically ruined his rookie year. He was still able to play a little bit, but I mean, you could tell like he wasn't functioning at like anywhere close to full capacity. Um, so I think last year was basically kind of like a red shirt season. I think this year we're seeing something that is much close to like the, the true Mike Williams. Um, I think there's a lot of potential, especially like Philip Rivers is the type of quarterback historically who has done well with receivers like Williams, and he's willing just to throw the ball up there and let them compete for it. And that's where Williams uh, really excels. So I think it's a good spot for him. I like him a lot.
3: Definitely a, a, a good example of a player that we perhaps gave up too quickly on. I, I think across the industry and many fantasy players gave up on Williams, kind of overlooking some of the indicators that would have been there. And like you said, I think he fits in well playing with a quarterback like Philip Rivers bringing us, you, you know, oh, go ahead. Sorry,
1: one, one thing just to jump in here. Yep. Um, what is kind of brought home to me is, and I hate to say this because it's, it's, it's so almost simple, but like the primacy of draft capital. Yeah. Like, Uh, I, I became much higher on Ridley once he was drafted in the first round because just even like my, uh, my, my dynasty model for like, uh, evaluating rookies and and like rookie drafts, uh, it sort of has a threshold between guys who are drafted in the first round and basically all other types of players because historically they are different, but you have Ridley as a first rounder, Josh Allen is a first rounder, Mike Williams is a first rounder, all three of those guys, I would say, were basically like anti rotoviz type of prospects. Um, but draft capital means a lot. It means a lot in terms of both how they're going to be used, like how players are going to be used, how coaches intend to use them. Uh, and then I think it also probably captures like some of the, I don't want to say like intangibles, but like some of the things that we don't yet quantify or that aren't captured by our numbers, they're captured by draft position. So uh, I I think like draft position is always still something not to to value above everything else, but like to remember as like a core part of what you're doing as like a fantasy thinker.
3: That makes me think too that another thing that we, we probably don't account for in addition to opportunity in practice, if you're a rookie that's been taken in the first or the second round you're going to get worked in quicker than if yeah. you're like a fifth or sixth round guy. Uh, so that probably helps you develop and get into an NFL kind of mind state uh, quicker and also probably helps you connect with the other players on your offense. So I, I do think that it, it's worthwhile that we mentioned that. And it's probably something that uh in the off season, we'll go back to.
0: Yeah listen let me ask you a question could you uh expand the space underneath the desk you know give it a little more headroom
3: george costanza slackers of the week chris thompson rough day uh for him adrian peterson absolutely crushed uh much to my dismay uh but only six attempts for thompson 17 yards average just 2.8 yards per carry only one wreck on two targets uh a little bit different of a game than I was expecting for the Redskins and the Packers. What did you think of this performance? Should we be worried about Thompson at all, or was this more situational?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of this was situational. You had the Redskins controlling the game uh, for a lot of the time and able just to run out the clock with Adrian Peterson. Uh, I think it was a game flow situation, but I think it does you know like raise to mind the fact that Thompson is a very game script dependent player. Um, if, if the Redskins are doing everything the way that they want to, I don't think they're likely to give Thompson the ball a lot. Um, just because I don't think they want to. Like, I think they want to use him situationally where they can maximize his utility.
3: And, and one good thing too, um, just, not for Thompson, but Jamison Crowder finally had a decent game. So I think we were looking at a situation where there's some things clicking for the Redskins. They're not going to click every week. And I don't think you need to panic if you're a Thompson owner, but it does speak to, you know, he's probably not the type of guy that you're going to have as an auto start. You will have to consider the context of the game. Granted, I don't think that uh, everybody out there was assuming this would be a game where Thompson wouldn't be involved but I think we're still learning a, a, a fair amount about that Packers team. So we'll have to monitor them. Amari Cooper, five targets, only two recs, 17 yards coming off of what had looked like kind of a turnaround for Cooper. Where are we with Amari Cooper? I think that we want to view him still as maybe even at this point, a wide receiver three. Is he even a wide receiver three?
1: Yeah, I think he is. I think he's just going to be really inconsistent, which is pretty painful. Uh, I'm still, you know, considering myself an Amari Cooper truther. Um, just it's it's not going to be consistent. It's not going to be every week. So yeah, I don't know what to say. I, I don't think they, I don't, I don't think they do enough inventive with him. I don't think they move him around the formation enough. I mean, I, I don't think it's a surprise that they're not all that inventive. But uh, it definitely is disappointing. But I still think he's a number three receiver.
3: Yeah, despite the kind of negative context that I presented it in, I think that the challenge that you have is Cooper is going to have enough targets on a weekly basis, granted only five this week. But I think if you're looking at this team week in and week out, he's probably going to lead the team in targets. And if you're comparing him to other options that you have on your fantasy teams, you're probably going to be able to expect a higher opportunity than other guys that would fall into that wide receiver three, maybe wide receiver four type of range. And week in and week out, if you go with the players with the higher expected opportunity, I think that you will be better off. Randall Cobb Yeah, I mean
1: I think we're yep. I think we're maybe one one more uh like consecutive uh, bad week away from him being a pretty enticing trade target.
3: Yeah. And uh you know we'll we'll talk later uh, maybe not tonight, but uh, maybe next week we'll check in on the outlook for players like Cooper and look at that trade window instead of maybe just looking at uh, positional units with favorable upcoming schedules. But one player that I also want to get your opinion on, I know that you were higher on him than I was coming into the season Randall Cobb four receptions for just twenty three yards yesterday in a costly fumble. Although I do think that if you're not paying attention, you might not realize he had eleven targets. So it's a very tricky situation that we have in that passing game in uh, Green Bay. Where are you on a guy like Cobb?
1: Yeah, I I think of him kind of similarly to Cooper, except with less upside. But he's still getting targets. Um, I think he's still important to that offense. Uh, I still I still want him. I just don't know if I would actually want to have to rely on him. Uh so I have him in a league and he's on my bench. So he's I guess kind of useless to me at this point. But like I, I think he's intriguing because of the targets and because he's with Aaron Rodgers. But I think the the whole um I don't know, the the whole like fantasy desirability of that entire offense has decreased because of the injury to um to the knee for Aaron Rodgers. Like, I think that's uh I mean people know about it, but I think it's like it's pretty serious. I think like it's limiting him quite a bit.
3: Absolutely. This is not the typical Aaron Rodgers that we're gonna see. I, I realize that in yeah. the game where the injury first occurred, you had a miraculous comeback. He was doing Aaron Rodgers like things. But going forward, yeah, this is not the Aaron Rodgers that we're gonna see season in and season out. So while well, guys like Cobb, obviously Devontae Adams, even Geronimo Allison do have their worth, you need to factor that into your weekly evaluation of Cobb. So where I am right now with Cobb, as I do own him on a couple of teams, the bi-week stretch is starting to come up. I think he'll might Be useful in some of those weeks, but he's, uh, you know, really not now a weekly play. So that's the type of thing to keep in mind. I think if you own any of these players, before we move on though, do I still think that Devontae Adams you have to view as a weekly start no matter what?
1: Oh, absolutely. He, He leads the league with 25 receiving touchdowns since 2016. Like he's just locked into lineups every week.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And in that vein, if you have any issues making those weekly start or sit decisions, make sure to join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. in Rotovis Live uh, as a way to not only help support your fantasy teams, but support the 10 plus shows that we're putting out each week on the Rotovis Network, doing all of these podcasts. Uh, there's so much work that goes on behind the scenes. We have such a great group of people running these podcasts. And uh, you know, It takes a lot of work, uh, which I really have to stress to get these out and so many of them each week. So if you want to help support the channel, help us to continue to grow and to bring you industry-leading programming, be sure to check us out on Patreon, Rotoviz. Uh, excuse me, patreon.com forward slash rotovis radio. Not sure why I have trouble with that each week. And also, uh, you can still get the listener only 30% discount to an NFL subscription, which gives you unlimited access to all of our content and tools. Uh, which, you know, we're just, in my opinion, killing it this year, uh, with so much content, uh, so much content and so many awesome tools coming out every day. So be sure to go and sign up for your season long subscription.
2: Hey, sports fans, football season's here and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie.
0: And
2: it's crazy Joe Devola. This is from that kick from that crazy Joe Devola. Yeah. uh, Crazy Joe Devola. Crazy
3: Joe Devola. Crazy Joe Devola. The Joe Devola crazy stat of the week. One of my favorite players here, Will Fuller has averaged one and a half touchdowns per game when playing with Deshaun Watson. That's a pace of 24 touchdowns in a full season. And he's also scoring a touchdown every 4.6 throws from Watson.
1: Uh yeah, pretty incredible. And I I mean, obviously that, that has to regress at some point, but uh even when it regresses to his mean, I think that's still going to be really high because he's just a very good player.
3: Yeah, that that's why I brought this up. I mean, I think that there were questions about Fuller coming out of school, um you know, how varied his skill set was, what would he look like in the NFL, but I think that we have to rule at this point he's a very good NFL receiver and he's definitely explosive, but his game isn't just all explosion. We're now seeing him consistently be a very solid fantasy receiver. Looking forward with a guy like Fuller, Matt, at this point, would you say he's definitely a top 24 dynasty receiver, maybe even a top 18, top 16?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I have him in my main dynasty league. I definitely wouldn't want to trade him. Like I, like to me, he's just kind of untouchable. Like he's, I think like Deshaun Watson, uh, sorry, not Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson-esque, except better. Um, You know, first rounder was a more accomplished uh, college receiver, like just absolutely dominant as a receiver, like from a market share perspective. He didn't have obviously like the the versatility that Deshaun Jackson had as like an All-American returner. Um, but yeah, I think Will Fuller is sort of like the best case scenario of what Deshaun Jackson brings to an offense.
3: And it's also fantastic that he's playing in an offense with DeAndre Hopkins because, yeah. you know, De- DeAndre Hopkins is always going to command so much attention and uh, such a talented player in his own right that it leaves uh, fuller room in that offense to maneuver in a way that really works well for him. Another receiver, uh, we mentioned Calvin Ridley earlier. Uh, I was very impressed as, as I'm sure you all were with the three touchdown game yesterday. Supremely impressive for a rookie. But did you know that as a rookie in 1998, Randy Moss recorded back to back games with three touchdowns in weeks 13 and 14 and also put up 17 touchdowns on the season with 1,313 yards. Not necessarily relatable to anything in this season, but I was just floored <laughs> by that.
1: Uh yeah, unfortunately I actually did know that because one of those games came against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. Um and the Cowboys definitely should have drafted him. Speaking of definitely should have drafted, here's a, a theoretical question. Okay. Um moving forward, who do you think has the better career? Calvin Ridley or DJ Moore?
3: I think Calvin Ridley, right? I mean you
1: look Yeah, I mean I th- I think so. Um Based on you know a small sample of three NFL games, um, and like what I guess also what we know about what they did in college and how they were positioned as prospects, but uh, I think you know everyone who's sort of like the analytical like rotovizy type of perspective yep. would have said DJ Moore before the season started,
3: right? And the difference now is that we're seeing. Some of those qualities that were mentioned about Ridley that were really hard to quantify did translate. And then you have him playing alongside a receiver like Julio Jones with a quarterback like Matt Ryan. And overall that situation lines up better. And we're already seeing the results. I mean, it's hard to deny a three touchdown game. Um, so I'm with you. I think that we have to rule this was a case where we probably got it wrong. And Ridley, I, I have to imagine has the better career going going forward things could change but already I mean it's hard to deny how impressive he's been
1: Yeah I'm just kind of trying to like calibrate mentally you know like is is a three game sample no matter how impressive it is yeah. is it enough for me to get off of my bayesian prior you know because like I felt pretty strongly that DJ Moore was like clearly the superior draft choice Yeah um you know I mean, maybe three games is enough, but I, I don't know.
3: Well, you know, it's not mutually exclusive here, yeah. right? That Ridley can only be good if Moore isn't good. Uh, but I mean, I do think you probably have to be. We all do have to make the correction here that Ridley is at very least a above
1: average oh, type sure, of receiver. Sure. So, yeah.
3: Um, any other thoughts on that before we move along? No. Nope. Okay. Trending up, Adrian Peterson, who I mentioned earlier, two touchdowns yesterday. That's three on the season. C- season averaging two targets in 19 carries per game 4.2 yards per carry pretty impressive right now if you have to assess peterson at this point do you think that we're seeing an adrian peterson that is the ap the all-day adrian peterson we like to think of or is this the type of thing that is not going to be able to carry the rest of the season
1: uh, I think what we've seen the last three weeks, like the volatility of good game, poor game, good game, like I think we're going to see that general dynamic throughout the season where uh, if the Redskins are ahead and if like everything is flowing correctly for them, Adrian Peterson gets, you know, like 20 carries, uh, more than that even. Uh, and if things aren't going their way, then I think it's a Chris Thompson game. Um, so I think what we've seen is actually pretty representative of what we will see. I think his efficiency will probably decrease as the season wears on, uh, just as, you know, he gets, uh, you know, his legs aren't as fresh. He gets some nicks and bruises, the offensive line suffers some injuries, just kind of general things like that. But yeah, he's, he's been impressive. And I think what we've seen is what we will continue to see.
3: It's hard to deny. I mean, at this point, even if he isn't the Adrian Peterson of two or three years ago, He's still um able to produce in that offense. So I think I'm kind of with you on on where I would value him right now. He's still going to be a little bit tricky of a play each week because it could go uh to a game script in that particular game that would favor Chris Thompson. But uh, at this point, I think if you're a Peterson owner, you can feel pretty confident at least viewing him as a flex type of play. Bringing me to another uh, running back situation I want to talk about here. The Jacksonville Jaguars, TJ Yeldon over six targets per game with over 50 yards on the ground per game. If you're looking at his outlook right now, considering the injury history that we've seen with Leonard Fournette already missing time this season, how do you feel about Yeldon?
1: Uh, I like Yeldon, but I mean, so I I like him, especially if Fournette is out, but we can't always... Uh, you know, predict that Fournette is going to be out. I think Yeldon will still be a guy who gets targets when Fournette is in, but, um, his upside is greatly reduced if Fournette is active. So he's just kind of, to me, he's like a, a kind of super handcuff type of guy. And maybe, uh, you know, in, in deep bye weeks, he's someone who would, you know, flex in for you. But, uh, I don't know. I think if you could trade him now to someone who's just sort of like, I don't know, like they're 0 and 3, they're 1 and 2, they have some running back issues and they just like need someone to slot in for them. I would try to trade them Yeldon.
3: Right. I don't think Yeldon's the type of guy that you go after to make a move. Um, but definitely if you own him would be worth unloading for a piece that you really need. Another running back in a situation, uh, that, has really worked out well for him that I wasn't expecting heading into the season. Javorius Allen, he scored a rushing touchdown in every game this season, which I don't think we can expect to carry, but he does have over five and a half targets averaging 15.7 points per game. I was pretty high on Collins coming into the season. I was not expecting to see Baltimore go back to the Javorius Allen uh, well again, but it looks like they're doing that. As you're looking at this backfield, yeah. where are you on these two right now? I still think that I like Collins more for the rest of the season. I'm not sure uh, that I'd be trying to make a move to acquire Allen, uh, but he has impressed me.
1: Yeah, I definitely wouldn't be trying to trade for Allen, um, but I think he has been underrated to this point in his career. Although uh, Chris Raymond did point out to me uh, that Allen has been pretty inefficient uh, over the last few seasons as a pass catcher. Yep. Um, but even then, I still think he's good enough to get the targets, uh, and I don't think the the rushing touchdowns are going to sustain, but um, he's a big-bodied guy. He's bigger than Collins. Uh, it wouldn't be surprising to see him continue to get rushing touchdowns every now and then. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, he's not someone I am going to trade for, and I don't think he's ever someone I would start unless Collins were injured, um, but I think he's a solid contributor.
3: Yep. Now – Three players on the decline. David Njoku at this point in the season has just 16 points. Isn't Njoku yeah. not as good as we thought? Or is it just that <laughs> this offense is not working out for him?
1: Uh, I think the offense to this point in the season has kind of been hamstrung uh, by Tyrod Taylor. So I will be curious to see what it looks like um, now that you know Josh Gordon is gone. And now that they have Baker Mayfield. Uh I don't know. I think it could be a better situation for him, but he's still super young. It wouldn't be a surprise if it didn't happen for him this year, but I think it will happen at some point.
3: Right. Now, I actually did not fill in the next two players <laughs> on or players on the list, but there's there's an actual reason here. One was I wanted to put down the San Francisco 49ers offense, uh-huh. but I wasn't sure about the Jimmy Garoppolo injury. Fast forward, I forgot to fill this in for you, Matt, but it now I believe has been confirmed that uh, Garoppolo is going to be out. So what do you do with this offense?
1: Oh man, Uh, I think it hurts everyone uh, except uh, maybe Matt Breda a little bit. Maybe they rely a little bit more on him in the running game. Uh, Maybe they give him a little more action in the passing game. He's a pretty good pass catching back. Um, I think it hurts basically everyone else. Yeah, I, maybe, I have to agree. maybe it helps Kittle. Maybe it helps Kittle just a little bit, um, in that you know C.J. Beathard is like his college quarterback, but I I don't know if it really helps him. So I, I think like uh, Kittle it probably isn't as hurt by this as like Marquise Goodwin and Pierre Garcon.
3: Yeah, I, I if I'm a Pierre Garcon owner. I'm I'm dropping uh, Garcon. Yeah, which I think you it, might have been doing anyway.
1: But yeah, this really
3: is devastating for him. Yeah. I actually don't know the splits on if Goodwin was okay when he was playing with Bethard, but but nonetheless, I mean this is a
1: huge. He blow. was um I, I looked at the splits before the season yep. and it's kind of it's it's bifurcated in a, a couple of different ways in that um there's this like period of time where he's playing with Bethard, but Garcon is there and uh Goodwin basically is doing nothing during that time. When Garcon is gone and Bethard is the cornerback, then he does much better. Uh, and then he does best when Garoppolo is in. But if Garcon is there and we have Bethard, um the sample that we have so far of games like that is not good.
3: Right. So not um a great outlook for anyone in San Francisco <laughs> no, it, right now. No. Uh another player that I've been disappointed with, at this point, like Joku, Russell Wilson, right now ranks in at 15 among quarterbacks, just 50.74 fantasy points on the season, has thrown seven touchdowns. I wonder if to some degree not having Doug Baldwin, uh, some of the changes in this offense have plagued him to some degree, but the real thing that's been different this season is he only has 21 yards on the ground are you concerned about wilson at this point as a guy that a lot of people took in their top three quarterbacks
1: uh yeah i'm kind of concerned about him um but i think he will i think he will improve um wilson sometimes has like issues like this where you know for like 3 or 4 games he's just not playing all that well and then he just blows up later in the season and, uh, I tend not to worry too much about quarterbacks anyway, cause I, I typically stream the position. Yep. So I don't know, like it's, it, I don't know, his struggles aren't anything that I'm really thinking all that much about. And, um, I don't know, I actually, if, if I think if you could trade for him, that would be pretty decent because I think at some point he will improve.
3: Right. And it's kind of like, what do you really, I mean, I'm assuming you wouldn't give up too much for him. But he's the type of guy no. you can get. It's not like if it doesn't work out, it's going to be catastrophic like it might be for another yeah. position because we do know there's that baseline of points. Um, I got to ask, I know we're going three players on the decline, but what do you think of my New England Patriots, Matt?
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't think it's as catastrophic as it seems. Yeah. You know, in 2014, they were two and two. Um, You know, Brady looked, I think, worse then than he does now. Uh, he was averaging less than 200 yards a game, just one touchdown per game. I think they were destroyed, was it like 41 to 14 or something like that by the Chiefs? Yeah. Yep. Um, and then they won the Super Bowl. You know, right. like they just, they, they have these times where they struggle early in the season. And I think it's just, you know, the team is learning the new schemes. They're kind of figuring out roles, sort of experimenting. I don't know. I I mean it, it could be the the point where it's like Brady is falling off the cliff just like Peyton Manning did in the middle of 2014. Um but I'm I'm not ready to say that yet. Like if I had to bet, I would bet that everything turns out okay and they win the AFC East.
3: Yeah, I I think that's kind of what what I'm keeping in mind with this team is odds are still high that we will or I, I guess I'll say the Patriots make the playoffs. And then once they're in the playoffs, it's kind of like a whole new story for that team. But uh, if anybody has the chance to listen to it, go back and find the audio of Bill Belichick on 98 or not, um, on WEEI. I listened on my way home. It was maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen. Uh, he had no interest in answering any questions today. Uh, which it, it kind of it brought a smile to my face and kind of turned uh, around some of the disgust that I had from from last night. All right. Top yeah. three units with favorable upcoming schedules. Chicago, their running backs, which at this point basically is Jordan Howard, although I think Cohen did get a little more mixed in this weekend. They've Tampa Bay who ranks 31 in week four and Miami 29 in week six. And then after that, they also have new England and the jets who have been very favorable to running backs, Miami, they're wide receivers. Uh, I still see guys like grant in some leagues available Wilson in others. I suppose maybe if you want to take a shot with Devonte Parker, they have new England who ranks 28th, uh, in points, uh, in that adjusted metric that we've talked about Four wide receivers. Then they have Cincinnati, who's 20 in Chicago at 29. And Kansas City, it looks like things will continue for Patrick Mahomes. Tyree Kill and Company they have Denver who ranks nineteenth in week four, Jacksonville who's surprisingly twenty one and then the Patriots uh in week six, so definitely uh, a positive outlook for them. I guess before we move on, Sammy Watkins had a a pretty solid uh performance over the weekend. Where are you on Watkins?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's a playmaking. Receiver in a really high scoring offense right now. And, um, they are spreading the ball around, um, but they are targeting him, um, with more intent than he was targeted, uh, with the Rams last year. So I, it's, it's interesting. Like he's in, that's like so, so rarely does it work out where, uh, guys will go to different teams, like for receivers and immediately you can just see that they are in better situations but Watkins is in a better situation than he was last year and uh Brandon Cooks basically taking Watkins' yeah. role this year with the Rams uh is doing more with his job uh than Watkins ever did last year so like <laughs> fantastic moves for both guys uh I'm still I'm still interested in Watkins I like him a lot
3: yeah it's interesting to, uh too, when you consider how this worked out for Cooks, uh, who I think I might have to rule I was more down on than I should have been. But if you want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. You may ask, how does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling your actual roster in your league's scoring system. SquadQL provides waiver and trade recommendations, plus the app gives you player rankings each week, and it's all based on your league setting. And it's all based on your league's settings. SquadQL truly is your go-to app this fantasy football season. Head to squadql.com, download SquadQL. You're all in one fantasy football manager, which is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by 10,0 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free on both Apple and Android. And you've heard Matt and I talking about point spreads you've heard us talking about player props fantasy betting lines and uh we can both say that we do use my bookie uh that is where i've been placing all my bets this year i absolutely love it so you've got to check out my bookie uh as we've talked about it's just as important um as who you're betting with where you're betting uh you can trust my bookie. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for fantasy guys, as we've talked about, you can bet the over under on how many fantasy points a player will score. So join now. My bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code RotoVis to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use the promo code Rotoviz when creating your cla- your account to claim one hundred percent deposit match. You play, you win, you get
1: paid. Just to jump onto that, I cannot encourage people enough to uh <laughs> to play some of the props at my bookie. Um, very very enticing. Yes. Basically, if you're not doing it, you are saying that you don't like money, which is which is fine. Maybe there are other things that you'd rather be doing on Sunday morning than. Uh you know, coming through the prop sheet and you know figuring everything out, but um it's there there's a lot of opportunity there for people who are interested.
3: yes, if you listen to this show, you should definitely be getting in on those fantasy betting lines at my bookie. <laughs> top three units with difficult upcoming schedules, Cleveland running backs, man, Carlos Hyde, impressive performance against the jets on Thursday night, huh
1: um, yeah, I mean. It's a, uh, it's a good situation for him. He's, he's the lead back.
3: He is the lead back. However, he'll be facing Oakland, who ranks four, Baltimore, who ranks one, and the Chargers, who rank eight in the next three upcoming games. So, mm, I don't know. It's going to be a tough call if you're a Hyde owner. And if I were looking to go out and trade for him, I don't know if now would be the time to do it. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, who's been impressive as well. Uh, he will be facing the Browns. Next weekend, also the Chargers who rank eight, and then the Seahawks who rank 13. And then the Houston wide receivers, we were just talking about Hopkins and Fuller. They face Indy, who surprisingly rank second, the Cowboys who rank one, and Buffalo who rank eight. Uh As a bonus this week, I'll give you a fourth squad. The Minnesota wide receivers will face the Rams who are three. The Eagles who rank sixth and the Cardinals who rank eleven. But um I I don't think this would phase me at all if you have Thielen, if you have Diggs, you're playing them no matter what. Uh, unless unless I'm wrong on that, Matt.
1: No, I mean I think you're right. I think it's the same thing with uh with Hopkins and, and Fuller. Will Fuller. Yep. I think you have them, you you play them regardless of matchup. Yep.
3: Friedman's number one waiver priority, everybody's segment that they've been waiting for, Matt. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who do you have this
0: week?
1: Uh, I have to say I put a lot of research into this, okay. uh, a lot of thought. Um, if you can um, believe that, as I'm scrolling over to Yahoo to see which players are available. <laughs> um, so again, I'm going to say like I'm I'm not going to get too excited about any quarterbacks uh, who are left out yeah. there. Um, actually, here here's one question. Um, it is very possible that uh, Fitzpatrick is still available in some leagues. I, I've still seen him um,
3: available. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, it, I think, I think you have to pick him up. Obviously, if he's there, like, I don't know which quarterback you have. Um, maybe you just go with two quarterbacks. Maybe, you know, you, you put one of them on the bench. And I normally don't go with two quarterbacks, but if you feel highly enough about the guy you have, um, I still think you could take a shot on Fitzpatrick. Um, I don't think he's going to lose the job to Jameis, but, um, setting quarterback aside, yep. uh, a guy that we've talked about, uh, already on the show, who's out there in a number of leagues, Calvin Ridley. So I think he's an integrated part of that offense. Um, I think it is very possible that he ends up coming pretty close to Julio Jones by the end of the year. Um, in terms of like, just the way that he's used in that offense, not to say he's going to have the same production, but like, uh, I think basically we're looking at, um, like the early career Reggie Wayne to Marvin Harrison. Like, I think that's basically the role that he's playing and that is a very viable fantasy role. So, uh, Ridley, if he's in your league, he's the guy that I'm clearly looking to, to add one running back who is interesting. Although I kind of hate to say this is Chris Ivory. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not even so much that I think, uh, the bills are a really good team. That's going to start winning some games. Um, I just think that he's a guy who's getting starting touches right now. And I could see the LaShawn McCoy injury lingering longer than people think. And then there's also the legal situation going on with McCoy. So uh Ivory could really end up being the guy who plays as the lead back for a substantial chunk of the season. So uh he's out there in a lot of leagues. Uh, I think he's someone you grab.
3: There's no reason uh to not Grab Ivory if you're looking to go for running back because of all those reasons that you mentioned. These are kind of rare opportunities. He's not the type of guy I would go and spend all of my uh, available budget on. But there's the legal issues like you mentioned with McCoy. There's also the health issues. And then uh, we did see Ivory be pretty effective yesterday. I've, I've always liked Ivory. Um, He's been one of those players that uh, though I don't look at yards per carry that often, he always manages to finish pretty well on that. So I've kind of always liked Ivory. I think that I'm going to try to get him on a couple of teams as well. Um, To your Ridley point, I think I have to admit that I got things wrong in my uh, column on the site last week recommending Sanu. It clearly was Ridley. I would spend a very significant, uh, portion of my budget on Ridley if he's available. And I think that he probably will still be available. Um, not after this week, but, uh, if you, if you're processing waivers this week, I would definitely look for him. Uh, the tough call. Oh, wait, before we get to that, actually fantasy games of the upcoming week, great contest on Thursday night with the Vikings and the Rams. Uh, Matt, what do you think? Is this going to be a good game with what we saw from Minnesota this week going on the short week, potentially no Dalvin Cook facing against the Rams team that has looked very good?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a a good game In that. Even if the Rams uh, are in control, I think we are going to see the Vikings um, put up a better showing uh, and put some points on the board. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah, And also, I think basically any game the Rams are in, I think that's a good game like they they are a very impressive team to watch
3: Definitely. And uh, this is probably one of the better Thursday games, at least uh, in yeah. anticipation that we've seen in a, in a long time. And then it feels weird to say this, but I think the other fantasy game uh, coming up this weekend that I'm paying attention to is the Giants and Saints, which feels kind of weird, but we know that the Saints have just been putting on a show. <laughs> yeah. uh, Drew Brees. Wow. What a performance yesterday. And then the Giants, you have Barkley, you have OBJ. Uh, so there's definitely a lot of interest in this game.
1: Yeah, and uh it has a, a game total right now at 50 points, uh one of the highest marks on the slate. Um the Saints, obviously we know what they can do on offense, on defense they were great last year, but uh seemingly they've kind of gone back to their old Saints defensive ways where they're just giving up a lot of points. Uh and maybe that's something that will stabilize as the season moves on. Uh but right now it looks like a pretty good opportunity to uh to load up on some Giants.
3: Yep. And the tough call. I am a Lee, or excuse me, uh, this this comes in from a person. I guess their team, they're three and O currently. They're considering making a move to go after Le'Veon Bell uh, from an owner who's one and two right now. They have some depth at wide receiver, a couple of pieces that they could move. They're wondering if they're three, you know, at this point, does it make sense to take on any risk and make a move for a guy like Le'Veon Bell? We should probably just talk about that situation where it now looks like Le'Veon could get traded to a team. Apparently the Jets are interested. So I'm throwing a lot of things out here. Uh, I'll give my take, but I'll, I'll let you go first. Where would you on a team take on the risk of going for a guy like Le'Veon who you might not see for a while, or could find himself in a new situation that will not be as good as the one he had in Pittsburgh?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think there are two factors to consider really. Like one, what do you have to pay to get him? Um, is the owner desperate enough to give him up on the cheap? Uh, and then two, um, what does your team look like now? Uh, are you in a situation where you really don't need to make the move? Uh, or do you not really have the assets, uh, that you would need to make the move to get him? Like I think, if you can get him without giving up anything that is really crucial to your team, then obviously you do it. I don't know if you can get him for that price, um, but you might be able to. Uh, I'm generally always of the opinion that it's fine to take risk. Yeah. So I would. Uh, I don't know. I, I would probably do it, but I I wouldn't want to pay too much.
3: Yeah. So be- before we talk to to the, you know the possibility of him switching teams, I think my opinion on this would be. If I'm not moving any of the integral parts of my team or even the type of player, you got to remember with bye weeks coming up, you might need that yeah. one extra guy. So if I'm going along and I'm 3-0 and right now... I have to consider if this is the type of team that's going to continue to win week in and week out. Are there any outliers that are factoring into this or players that we know are at a pace that is not going to be sustainable before I would make this move? But it definitely doesn't hurt to just see what you can get. So I would throw out maybe one pretty good wide receiver and then another player that they might be able to use, but that I'm not going to use week in and week out and kind of gauge Things that way. Um, it is a tricky situation. But I mean, if you're really steamrolling through this league and it feels like you're going to keep it up, there's no harm in seeing what you can get for Bell. But the other thing that I think we need to consider in this, just because it's an interesting question, is how good is Le'Veon Bell if you take him out of
1: Pittsburgh? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think he's still pretty good because he has pass catching capability and is a three-down guy, but uh obviously. Uh, offensive line to any running back is really important, but I think especially to him because, um, one that offensive line has been there for so long. So he has a lot of, uh, like continuity with them. They have continuity like within the line and he's like very much a rhythm back. Like a lot of his style is sort of like based on his knowledge of that offensive line, right? And like the rhythm that they have together. He would have to like establish a new, I don't even say like a new type of running style but like at a minimum like he'd have to like get into the pattern like the the rhythm of running behind a new line uh and I think that might be hard for him so i think it would be like a significant uh downgrade um in terms of like so let's say like now he's i i think pretty clearly still a top three back um just in terms of like skill set i think it would bump him down to maybe like number eight maybe maybe number number six. But like, that's still like a pretty significant gap.
3: It it is because you'd be taking him out of a situation where he's able to use some of those traits that he has, such as his patience and his vision. You take some of that away. He might not be quite as effective. And you got to remember too, he's playing, as you said, with a tremendous offensive line, but a hall of fame quarterback. And two exceptional wide receivers, a Hall of Fame wide receiver and another guy that's looking like he could be in that conversation uh, if his career continues on this trajectory. So you move him to a team like the Jets, it's really hard to project him as optimistically, as you would now, just because we have seen, and I'm not trying to take away from the talent of Bell here, but we've now seen a number of backs when given the opportunity in Pittsburgh, which again, this is a position that's very dependent on the situation and the opportunity.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I I think it's I think this is a really unfortunate situation for him and it's of his own creation. Yeah,
3: absolutely. I'd been saying back at the time, I thought that he should have, should have taken the deal, played it out. I don't think that, uh, you know, in a net net perspective, this is going to work out for him. We have time for a couple of bonus round, uh, things to talk about here. Is Kenny Galladay the real deal? Uh, he looks really good. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah, looks really Galladay. good.
1: Yeah. Uh yeah, holiday's great. Is he the best receiver uh, you know I mean? in Detroit? Uh I mean, I don't know. I I I mean, I should say no, but um like my brain says no, but my heart says yes.
3: Oh, it's hard for me. I'm kind of in I'm kind of in a, in, in a different situation here. My brain is saying yes, but my heart is saying no because I have to think that Golden Tate is just so talented with the things that he does well. That though Galladay is really good and maybe can be more effective for this team right now, there's things that Golden Tate can do that are so special within his skill set. If that makes sense, but we'll move. Yeah, I, okay. I mean,
1: I like Golden Tate, but uh, Galladay's the future.
3: Yeah, that's very true. Now they're running back. Did carry on Johnson just look solid last night because he was playing a pathetic New England Patriots defense last night? Or is carry on Johnson actually pretty good?
1: No, I think he's good. Um, I made like, I I thought he would be a year two guy. Yeah. You know, like there are these running backs who, uh, who come into the league. They don't look all that great in year one and they break out in year two. I thought that's what he was going to be, but maybe he's talented enough to be a year one guy um he was you know the sec offensive player of the year he's 21 years old uh you know good in, like he he's big enough um to i think be a full time back um he's athletic enough to uh you know to like turn short gains into longer gains and um I think he will develop into uh, a pass catching guy. I don't know what makes me think that, but I think like he's like what I've seen out of him in terms of like his agility makes me think that he has the potential to develop into a pass catcher. So I don't know. I like him a lot.
3: Yeah, I've been pretty impressed uh, as well. Not only you know has he looked good, but you've seen some of the things that when you were turning through his profile as he was coming to the league that you were hoping would translate, or things that you hadn't really seen, like the pass catching ability. That it's looking like he's. More well-rounded of a running back than I may have given him credit for, so I think he he looked pretty solid. Again, it's only three games, and we'll see how things pan out in Detroit. But uh, a lot of positive signs for him. The final thing that I want to talk with you about before we close out for our third in-season podcast, which is crazy that we're already uh, looking forward to Week Four. But I think that the Rams are a very legitimate Super Bowl contender. It Does turn out though, uh, Akib Talib. And I think a couple other players on that defense are starting to get banged up. But you think that they they have a real shot of uh, going um, to the Super Bowl, I guess? I mean, it's looking to me like they do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, they are right now the number one team in the Action Network power rankings. Um, you know, above the Patriots, above the Chiefs. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think they, they're the favorite right now. Uh, <laughs> I've been really impressed with them. Uh, you know, what they did last year offensively, um, they're basically continuing to do that. Um, but their defense, uh, and their defense wasn't bad last year. It was pretty good. But, uh, I think it's obviously just with all the additions that they've made, especially in Adamokong Su on the defensive line. Um, I mean, they just have like a very stout three-man front. Uh, and so even though they don't have like the great pass rushers on the side, they're still able to get a lot of pressure and then they have i think you know a very strong secondary one of the best secondaries in the league um yeah they are they are super impressive
3: yeah and they're one of the teams if you try to look for a major weakness it's really hard to try to pick out anything you kind of have to start to nitpick so i've been really impressed with the rams and as a fantasy player. Uh, it's always exciting to see teams like the Rams where they're firing on all uh, all cylinders. Jared Goff has been good. Obviously, Todd Gurley has been excellent. Three terrific wide receivers. And if you play in IDP leagues as well, there's definitely some guys that you can use week in and week out on the defensive side of the ball. The Monday night challenge, Matt, I believe that at this point, um, I get the win from the Seattle and Chico- uh, Chicago game with Chicago, oh, yeah. co- Chicago covering. Um, we both took the over and the Steelers in the game that is currently going on. Pittsburgh's up 16 to seven as we talk. I have the line on next Monday night as the Chiefs minus four and a half at Denver. Have you seen updated numbers beyond
1: that? No, that's uh, that's right. Minus four and a half at my booking. Yep.
3: Mm. All right. I have internally made my pick. Um, I don't know what the over under is. Do you by any chance know that?
1: Yeah, it's 56, Holy which track.
3: is so high. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. This is a tough one. All right. Do you want me to go first or you want to go first?
1: Uh, I don't, I don't care. I mean, whichever. All
3: right. I am going to take the Chiefs to cover the four and a half, but I am not going to go with the over. So I'm going to take the under.
1: Yeah, I'm taking Chiefs to cover and uh, I'm taking the over.
3: Okay. He's taking the
1: <laughs> over. So
3: we're both- yeah, on I mean, the, the Chiefs. That,
1: defense, that defense is just so bad. Um, I think that their defense is bad enough to make Case Keenum uh, fairly competent. Uh, and I think their offense is just uh, you know, amazing. So yeah, I'm going with the over.
3: All right, we'll have to see how that turns out. I just, I, I can't foresee another. I know this is not a, a great way to think about things, but it just feels like at some point we have to have a pace slow down and knock over 56. I mean, it's not every day that you see a li- uh, an over under that high.
1: No, it's, um, it's, it's an outrageously high over under. Yeah. Um, I think for September it's one of the highest uh, in history.
3: Yeah. Well, definitely some historic things going on right now in Kansas City. Um, A lot to be excited about. And if you paid attention, or not if you paid attention, if you participated in Rotovis Live this Sunday, you got to hear my call about Kareem Hunt having a great day. So make sure that you check us out on patreon and that's going to do it for today's episode once again i'm dave Cabin. you can follow me on twitter at dave Cabin ff my co-host was matthew friedman who you can follow at matt f the oracle don't forget to call into 978-925-7628 and give us your tough calls of the week this has been roto radio please subscribe to the podcast leave us a review and be sure to tune in next week and remember it's not a fantasy if you believe it Thank you for listening to RoboViz Radio. Please rate, review, and contact us via email at rotizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at RotoViz Radio and support the pod by subscribing to RotoViz at a 30% discount through the listener homepage of roteviz.com forward slash podcast.
2: The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. GEICO presents, yikes, another voicemail from your roommate. Sup, roomie? Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. It's completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home? Later. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.